an hour of truth for the battered but proud people of the Empire State. From the financial and entertainment epicenter of New York City to the sleeping and empty small cities and towns of upstate, which once bustled with manufacturing, mining, and farming. We all know from inspiration, history, and nature, we deserve a return to the success and growth of generations past, a birthright being squandered by corruption in Albany, and the depredations of an insecure, scheming mountebank posing as governor, who loathes both us and himself. As liberty beckoned to enslaved peoples behind the Iron Curtain via American broadcasts after World War II, we now say, believe, rise, and join us. Welcome to Radio Free New York. Hey guys, welcome to Radio Free New York. I'm your host, Andrew Hollister. And uh, today I'm flying solo, so Bob's not here in studio with me, but that's okay. We'll we'll make it through. Um, and as you guys know, today is White House Wednesday. So if you're just joining the show for the first time, White House Wednesday is the day we talk about national politics. Um, we bring in candidates for interview. And today we have a candidate who's running for president, uh, Jacob Hornberger. Jacob, yep, you there? I'm here. Oh, there you are. Yeah, right. I am. Uh, it's, an, it's an honor and a pleasure to be here with awesome. you. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. So, um, Jacob, you are running for president of the United States in the 2020 election, and you are running on the Libertarian ticket. Yeah, I mean, technically, I'm running for the Libertarian Party presidential nomination, uh, and whoever wins that nomination will be running for president. Uh, but, yeah, we're, there are several of us that are vying for the nominee, uh, to be the nominee of the party. Awesome. Yeah, and actually that's something that uh, that we'll, we'll talk about a little bit because this is going to be um, the first year that New York State has a libertarian presidential primary. Um, and I know there's a, a lot of people who are interested in that. Um, but before we dive into that, I just want to give a little bit of background on you um, that I pulled from your website and let you kind of fill in any gaps. Um, it looks like you're from Loretto, Texas, and you were a trial lawyer um, and that you you found libertarianism about 40 years ago and you've been a libertarian ever since. Is that uh, is that right? Yeah, that's a good synopsis. Uh, it's Loretto. And uh, I was a trial attorney for 12 years and then decided to shift the course of my life and uh, go into advancing libertarianism. So I ultimately went to work for a foundation in New York called the Foundation for Economic Education that's there in Westchester County. And then I started two years later the Future of Freedom Foundation, which is a nonprofit educational foundation that advances libertarianism. And I, I should emphasize that they're not endorsing my campaign in any way. They're a nonprofit. But people can get a sense of the work I've done uh, for liberty and libertarianism by going to FFF.org. Okay, great. And and I saw here, um, I think it might have been as uh, kind of a description of your autobiography. Um, it says that you describe in a clear and easy to understand way the core principles of libertarianism um, and how they are key to resolving the political and economic crises we face in society. So I'm, I'm really excited about that um, because I think something that libertarians have trouble with is messaging and explaining to 
to Democrats and Republicans um, how libertarianism is the solution that they're looking for. So I wanted to give you a chance um, to tell us just a little bit about, you know, how do you talk to these people and how do you explain libertarianism to them? All right. Well, I think most – many people, many Americans are getting a sense that there's something fundamentally wrong with American society. I mean President Trump talks about the economy booming and unemployment rate down and the stock market soaring. But I think people are getting a sense that there's, there's just more to life than these things. You see, you see suicide rates soaring in America, especially among young people, which really makes no sense at all. You've got um, massive drug addiction, massive alcoholism. Um, you, you have unexplained acts of violence. And so I think people are finally sensing, hey, there's something else going on here, and they just don't know what it is. Well, we, we libertarians know what it is. At least it, it explains much of the dysfunctionality in American society, and that is that Democrats and Republicans have forced it upon us in our country what we call – what libertarians call a welfare warfare state way of life where the state has destroyed freedom, the, the government has destroyed freedom of people to manage their own lives, decide their own uh, decisions on charity, decide what they ingest into their bodies, um, all these foreign wars and foreign interventions that have destroyed our freedom with assassinations and torture and definite detention and so forth. So what we libertarians say, or what I say is, look, Freedom necessarily entails a dismantling of these welfare warfare state programs that Democrats and Republicans have foisted upon our land. And I'll, I'll give you an example, like health care, that the Democrats and Republicans both believe that they're going to be able to resolve the health care crisis by leaving Medicare and Medicaid intact. So all the reform pr proposals, that's the assumption. that They're living in la-la land that it is Medicare and Medicaid, two gigantic socialist programs. They, the idea originated among German socialists in the late 1800s and then later imported into the United States. Socialism is an inherently defective paradigm. Nothing will ever be done to resolve the health care crisis that leaves these two socialist programs intact. So the only solution to this is dismantle them, repeal them, get rid of them entirely, um, and, and, and in a larger sense, separate entirely health care in the state. Just get government out of health care the same way we, we got government out of religion. That's the only solution to restore a healthy uh, free market-oriented health care system. Well, that shocks a lot of people. It's like, oh, my gosh, Jacob, there'll be people dying in the streets. Well, on the contrary, freedom and free markets are the only thing that works. So, so the case I make to people is not only is freedom good, not only are free markets good, but they're practical. They're Nothing else is going to resolve the health care crisis, and we can go across the board. Education, uh, immigration, uh, retirement, foreign policy, the only solution to all of these crises and woes and the dysfunctionality in American society is to liberate the American people, restore a limited government republic, and a free market system. And so how do you um, – I, I imagine people being on the right – um, and obviously libertarians being on board with this, how how do you talk to people who are you know democratic socialists that think that the answer for health care is Medicare for all or you know some large government subsidized health care system? How do you convince them that um, free markets and an open market is the solution that's going to give them what they're actually looking for? You don't. They're hopeless. 
and and there and there's really no difference between Democrats and Republicans on this this issue of socialized health care. They all they're fighting over is which reform plan. I mean, look how how illogical it is. You've got these two socialist programs, Medicare and Medicaid, that ended up destroying the finest health care system in history. I mean, before these two programs were enacted, health care costs were low. They were stable. Nobody had even major medical insurance, or very few people did, because they didn't need it. It was just a like going to the grocery store. Uh, so the the people that are wedded to this socialism say, well, okay, so – our, our beginning of socialist programs causes crisis, so the solution is massive socialism with a government takeover of health care. I mean, that's not even logical. But Republicans, again, take the same position. Essentially, they want to leave Medicare and Medicaid intact. Well, there's no point in wasting the time with these people. They are wedded to socialism. There's, you're not going to change their mind. What I want to do is target people that are not wedded to this system, like people that, who don't vote. Uh, people that are disgusted with both parties, people that sense that both parties are leading this country in a very, very bad direction. That's the chance we libertarians have. We're not going to convince Bernie Sanders not to be a socialist or any of Bernie Sanders' supporters not to be socialists. They're committed to it. And and the same with Trump. You're not going to get Trump's cult-like supporters to change their mind with respect to blindly supporting whatever he does, including – he even said in his State of the Union address he's going to save Medicare and Social Security. You're not going to change these people's minds. What you do is you go after the people who are being fleeced by this system, the younger people in society. They're, they're, they can't make ends meet. They're, they can't get a nest egg going. They can't make a down payment on a home. Some of them are deferring marriage. Some of them are living at home till their 30s, and that's because the government is taking so much money out of their paychecks. What we're saying to them, what I'm saying to them, you have a right to keep everything you earn, and you decide charity decisions. You decide on helping your parents or your grandparents, and that's the only way that charity means anything anyway, not at the point of an IRS gun. Yeah, no, that's that's great. Um, so those of you who are listening to the show, this is White House Wednesday. We are on the phone with Jacob Hornberger. He is running for president of the United States uh, in this 2020 election. Um, when we come back from our break, we're going to talk about your top three policies. So stay tuned on Radio Free New York. We'll be back in a moment. listening to Radio Free New York. All right. Welcome back to Radio Free New York. I'm your host, Andrew Hollister. It is White House Wednesday. White House Wednesday, we bring in presidential candidates. Uh, We talk about their policies, what they're running on, the changes they want to make in the United States if elected. Uh, Today, we have Jacob Jacob Hornberger with us. Um, And Jacob, we're ready for your top three policies. If if elected as president of the United States, what, what what are your top three things that you would like to get done? Well, they, they relate, one, to foreign policy, two, to the drug war, and three, to health care. On foreign policy, uh, our country was founded on a policy of non-interventionism, just stay out of foreign affairs, stop meddling in the affairs of other countries. That's what we libertarians favor that bring all the troops home, not just from the Middle East and Afghanistan, which, of course, President Trump has failed to do despite his promises, uh, uh, just as 
Barack Obama and George W. Bush did. But bring them home from everywhere, Korea, Europe, World War II's over, Africa, Latin America, Middle East and Afghanistan. Bring them all home and discharge them. They're not necessary. And stop intervening in the affairs of other countries. Close all, abandon all the military bases overseas. Uh, to a larger extent, restore a limited government republic to our land. That's our heritage. That was our founding governmental system with a basic army, military, that's, that's able to galvanize support in case America were ever invaded by some foreign power. But dismantle the CIA, the, the NSA, the, the Pentagon, and all their dark side practices of torture, assassination, state-sponsored assassinations, and the like. And then uh, lift all the sanctions and embargoes against every country. There's, there's absolutely no reason why America should be targeting innocent people in these countries as a way to achieve regime change. So that's number one. Number two, legalize all drugs, not just marijuana. People have a right to ingest whatever they want to ingest without being put in jail. I, I don't care how harmful or destructive the substances is. Uh, people have a right to do this. Now, I'm not suggesting that you know heroin and cocaine are good things. It's quite the contrary. But drug addiction and drug use belongs in the private sector with rehab groups, Alcoholics Anonymous, not in the criminal justice system. Not only that, the drug war has produced death destruction, destruction of liberty, and it's, it's also, also the most racially bigoted government programs in segregation. We need to just ditch it entirely with respect to all drugs. Three, uh, as we indicated earlier on health care, there's only one solution. Separate health care in the state. Have a total free market health care system, one where, where people decide keep everything they earn, and they decide what to do with it. And to a larger extent, I favor the elimination of every mandatory charity program. When you've got mandatory charity, that's not charity at all. And, and people have a right to decide for themselves charitable decisions. And so what we need to do is recapture in this country is a, where people have faith in themselves, they have faith in other people, they have faith in the market and the free market and freedom. And for me, a faith in God, rather than putting your faith in the coercive apparatus of the state. Yeah, no, no, that's that's awesome. I've got uh, I've got somebody here in the comments, and and those of you listening on air right now, you can always hop on um, the Andrew C. Hollister Facebook page or the Andrew C. Hollister YouTube page and uh, comment with questions in the live stream while we're talking right now. Um, and uh garrett garrett is is very excited about bringing home our troops and i i think that that would inspire many people um and one of the things that i i think is interesting especially as we talk about what what you're talking about um especially in terms of american foreign policy is reducing the size of the federal government um both in influence across the world um in manpower and in spending um how do you talk to people about this who might think that uh, that's going to, say, feed terrorism or make Americans unsafe, because those those are the things that Americans are told. That's why we're doing these things. So how, how do we have that conversation with them and say, no, eliminating these programs, eliminating these departments, bringing our troops home um, is going to make Americans safer. It's not going to make us less safe, and it's the right thing to do. Yeah, it's actually a no-brainer. I mean, then that's where the national security state type of governmental apparatus comes into play. National security states always need official enemies. 
to keep people scared because that's how they, they maintain their power. I mean, national, North Korea is a national security state. Cuba is a national security state. Russia, China, and post-World War II U.S. So what happened was after for, – for, you know, the entire course of the Cold War, the official enemy was the Soviet Union, which ironically had been a partner and ally of the U.S. government during World War II. But they converted it into an official enemy. They told Americans the, the Reds are coming, you got to look under your bed, Cuba's a dagger, pointed at America's neck. So everybody was scared for the whole Cold War that the Reds were coming to get them. Well, that kept the budgets going, out-of-control federal spending on the military, the CIA, the NSA. So they lose that, and they and they in '79, and so they uh, or '89. So they go into the Middle East and Afghanistan and start poking hornets' nests, killing people. Sanctions on Iraq that killed hundreds of thousands of Iraqi children. The Persian Gulf intervention. That's what produced the rage, the anger that then manifested itself in terrorist retaliation. The 93 attack on the World Trade Center, the attack on the USS Cole, on the embassies in East Africa, the 9-11 attacks, the Fort Hood attacks, all rooted in this interventionism. So if you get rid of the interventionism, you bring all the troops home, you discharge them because they're not needed anymore, a non-interventionist foreign policy, their anger and rage disappears. And then life starts returning to normal again, where you can get rid of the TSA, where people can go to the gate and say goodbye to their friends or meet people at the gate, that all of a sudden there is no more anti-American terrorism. So people have to analyze what is it that caused this anti-American terrorism. And Ron Paul, of course, brought that up in his campaigns. It's because the U.S. government is over there killing people. When you go over there and kill people, they're, they're inevitably going to retaliate. When you stop the killing things start returning to normal, at least with respect to us. Now, they may still be fighting over there, but if you leave the United States out of it, then things start turning to normal. And then you unleash the private sector. You see, the, the, the Democrats and Republicans say, oh, well, that's isolationism. That's nonsense, because libertarians want to unleash the private sector to interact with the people of the world. So I totally oppose all of Trump's trade wars, his trade war against China, his unilateral lifting of tariffs, his welfare plan for American farmers. You just unilaterally lift all trade and travel restrictions on the American people, the private sector, to, to interact with the people of the world. Now we're talking about genuine freedom, harmony with the people of the world, and, and a very moral foreign policy, a policy that's consistent with, with the founding principles of this country. You mentioned the fact that you save a lot of money. I mean, notice that Trump is spending a trillion dollars more than what he's bringing in. I mean, I can't imagine Hillary would have done much worse than that. Uh, and so you, you rein in this spending by, by getting rid of the non-essential functions of government. And one of those non-essential functions is this massive policy of interventionism and militarism that goes on overseas. Yeah, no, and I, I think that that is a, a pretty good argument to say, hey, um, if we stop killing people, they won't want to kill us. I mean, that that seems very logical. It seems very straightforward. Um, you know, we always talk about there's still going to be bad people in the world. It's not going to solve everything. Um, but, but I agree. I think that in general, 
um, retaliation going away is going to be very good for the American people. Um, and and I guess a question that kind of ties to that, although I, I normally would save it for the next segment, but how is how would you, as as president of the United States, convince the elected Democrats and Republicans in Congress um, to to make these same decisions to to pull out? And, you know, how how as president would you be able to make this possible? I, I think the only thing these people understand is votes. And people sometimes say, oh, we're wasting our vote by voting for a libertarian presidential candidate. Actually, it's the exact opposite, that when you vote for a Democrat or Republican presidential candidate, your vote is one grain in, a, in an ocean of sand. It, it makes absolutely no difference. One vote that makes no difference in the, those two parties. You're talking about millions of votes. One, one vote is meaningless. If people come and vote for us, and if I'm the court of the honor of this nomination, now the vote has meaning because the more votes we get, that's telling these people in Congress we want a different direction for America. When you select the lesser of two evils, whether it's President Trump or whoever the Democrats put up, all they're fighting over is money and power, Andrew. It's like musical chairs. But they both believe in foreign interventionism. you got Trump trying to start another war now on top of Iraq and Afghanistan and Syria. He's trying to start one with Iran, which is precisely what Hillary Clinton would have done. It's precisely what these other Democrats would do. And despite what they say, uh, and so if people want to move in a different direction, the way to do that is to vote for us libertarians because that's when Democrats and Republicans start paying attention. You get our vote totals up in a, in a presidential election, and that's what will cause them to shift. They're like chameleons. When they see the environment around them changing color, they will change their colors. But it's got to be coming from the pressure of an electoral campaign where they're losing votes and libertarians are gaining votes. That's the way we shift the course of this country. Yeah, you know, and that uh, – I'm going to say this. I'm sure somebody's going to be upset me saying this. Um, but, you know, that speaks to a lot of what we see, especially in New York State, where people say that the big two parties don't actually have principles that they follow. And so it's easy for them to switch opinions or switch positions on an item when they see the vote shifting because they don't actually have established principles to follow. Um, and you see that in their voting history. You know, you see Republicans are voting for like the most tragic gun control we've ever seen in our lives um, and things like that. And people say, oh, Republicans don't do that. And it's like, well, it's, it's actually what's happening. Um, we're, we're seeing it day in and day out, especially in New York State. All right, guys, you are listening to Radio Free New York. Uh, we are talking with Jacob Hornberger. He is running for president of the United States. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about this year being the first time that there's going to be a third-party primary in New York. We'll be back in a moment on Radio Free New York. Free New York. All right. Welcome back to Radio Free New York. 
I'm your host, Andrew Hollister. We are here on White House Wednesday, where we interview presidential candidates, um, hear about their policies. Today we have Jacob Hornberger on the line. Um, and, and this is an interesting year for the people of New York, because this is going to be the first year that New York State is going to have a libertarian presidential primary. Um, and I, I know uh, Garrett actually asked in the YouTube stream, you know, is the New York primary a for sure thing? Um, did two candidates get enough petition signatures? Um, I We won't know until the paperwork's filed, but it's my understanding that um, there are volunteers going out all across the state right now collecting signatures to get um, their preferred candidate on the ballot. Um, which which is very exciting for the Libertarian Party. Um, it, you know, this this happening is uh, is a very unique thing for us. And I, I want to pose the question to you. Um, why would the people or why should the people uh, in New York State say, yeah, we want Jacob Hornberger as our president on the ballot uh, for this year? Well, for the same reason, Andrew, that we were talking about earlier, that if people want to send a message to these two parties, here is the perfect opportunity. And we're also on the ballot in the primary system in several other states. In fact, I'm waging a very active campaign in North Carolina because we're on the Super Tuesday primary ballot there. And so people can boycott the Democrats and Republicans and come and vote for me. And I'm, that's what I'm asking people to do in North Carolina, to send a message to these people. Now, my signature issue in North Carolina is the horrors of the drug war and the racial bigotry of the drug war. And I'm talking to a lot of African Americans about that. And I'm asking them, elevate this to the top of your priorities, even though you may disagree with us libertarians on other issues. This one's so critically important that we got a chance to tip the scales here. Well, the same thing in New York. I mean, if, if people are happy with where America is, if, if you're happy with what's going on in this country, uh, you, know, you can vote for either Democrats or Republicans. It doesn't matter. You're going to get the same thing. But if you're, if you're sensing that something's really bad in this country and you want to move America in the direction of liberty and peace and prosperity and harmony, here's your chance in New York. Come and vote for the libertarians. I mean, I prefer people vote for me, but there's going to be other libertarians on the ballot if you want to vote for someone else. What's important is that we send a message to these Democrats and Republicans, we don't like the direction that you both are taking this country this country. And if we want to change directions, and, and we're going to send you that message by voting for the libertarian presidential candidates, because they want to move America in a different direction, the direction of liberty, peace, prosperity, and harmony. Yeah, no, that that's great. And, you know, one of the things that, um, that I think New York has this kind of unique situation is, um, typically speaking, in New York State, and I'm going to say typically because this could change if voters actually came out and voted. Um, and, and I'm talking just voting straight party line, you know, and, you know, that's not what happens. There's a lot of people that cross. Um, they vote outside their party. But typically speaking, in New York, the presidential election, a lot of people look at it as set. It's going to be a Democrat because of New York City. And I think that people have this really unique opportunity this year to look at that and go, yeah, you know, if I cast my vote for one of the two major parties, it doesn't change the outcome. But if I cast my vote for a libertarian, for a third party candidate, my vote does matter. My vote does make impact. Vote for major two parties, 
no impact, no change. Vote for a third party, especially libertarian candidates. You guys know I love my libertarians. Um, you're going to see change. There's value in that vote because the higher that number is, the more the cry for change. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree 100 percent. The next question would be with all the noise in the media, how are you going to reach these voters? How are you going to break through um, that ceiling, if you will, that the media has where they ignore third party candidates and really only include the major two parties? You've got to just circumvent them because remember, the mainstream media shares the same philosophical perspective as Democrats and Republicans. Uh, you know, that, that they believe in this welfare, warfare state way of life. So they look at libertarianism and say, oh, that's just too radical for us. And so they're, they're not going to cover us because they don't believe in what we're doing. So you just have to circumvent them. I mean, that's one of the big advantages of the Internet. It's, it's, it's like this radio show. Few people will hear it and say, hey, you know, this guy's what he's doing. He's speaking the truth. He's talking about principles here, and and I'm going to tell my friends. And so my website is jacobforliberty.com. People can come and see what I stand for there, what I'm doing to advance liberty in this country, all that stuff I'm doing in North Carolina, and that's the way you start getting a, a big movement going to a, hopefully like you have like wildfire going across the country where people are saying, you know. Here's a way to change the direction of this country, as you pointed out, by voting libertarian. Because if people vote for the two-party candidates, it's just a wasted vote. You come and vote for us, and all of a sudden you're looking at a change. Well, if, if that happens, then the media can't ignore it. Uh, but So it all depends on the electorate, and what we have to do is just – is just concentrate on advancing libertarian principles. We have something these parties don't have. They have the money and they have the power, uh, enough power to keep us on the ballot, out of the ballot in several states because they're scared to death of the competition. But we have something they don't have. We have ideals, we have principles, we have sound ideas on liberty, and I'll put those up against all the money and power in the world. And because people at various times in history get attracted to those things. They, they rise above it and say, what can we do to really shift the course of a country? And that's what this campaign's all about that I'm waging. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. What about um, – and we've only got uh, about three and a half minutes till break, and I know there's there's maybe two questions I want to hit. Um, one in the first one is immigration, right, because that's a hot topic right now. And people who are sitting here saying, yeah, you know what? Some of these things you're saying are pretty good. Um, where do you stand on immigration? What are your thoughts on how we can make immigration better in our country? I grew up on a farm on the Rio Grande, uh, and we hired illegal immigrants on the farm. They were the hardest working people I've ever seen. I've seen this crisis up front all my life. Ever since I was a kid, there's been an immigration crisis, and there's a simple reason for that. Immigration controls are a socialist system. They're based on the socialist principle of central planning. Central planning always produces crises. Just ask people in Venezuela or Cuba. And then to enforce this socialist system, because nobody complies with it, they bring into existence a police state. And that's what they've done in the American Southwest. Highway checkpoints, roving border patrol checkpoints, trespasses onto farms and ranches without warrants, boarding Greyhound buses. It goes on and on. Violent raids on American businesses. This is a system that has brought death, suffering, destruction of liberty, violence, and a police state. There's only one solution to it. And, and, I, and I underline only one. There's no other solution, and that's freedom and free markets, open borders, free movements of goods, services, and people. 
of free trade, open immigration, where people come in, uh, they, they retain their citizenship. They don't have to become American citizens. They can work seasonally. They return to their country. They got a lot of money in their pockets. That's the only system, Andrew, that is going to work. That's why it's the only practical system, and it's the only system that is consistent with religious and moral principles because it gets rid of all the death and suffering that comes with this system. And and when you say open borders, because that term scares some people a lot, would you still have any type of health screening, any type of background checks, or literally all all everything is coming down and it's wide open and anybody can come in who wants regardless of anything? Or, or is there still going to be some control, making sure people are healthy, making sure we don't have potentially violent people coming into the country? What are your thoughts on that? The default position is open borders, free movements, just like we have here domestically. I mean, murderers can cross state lines, terrorists can cross state lines, but nobody says, hey, we need to have controls at the Texas border to keep out people from Oklahoma or Louisiana. That you have free movements back and forth. If people commit a crime, they're subject to the laws of the jurisdiction in which they're, they're placed. We don't put health barriers on states, uh, between states to protect themselves. Now, so that's the default position. Now, when you have something like this, this um, uh, coronavirus, all of a sudden, you know, people are having to adjust. This is something, like, dangerous. Uh, and so people are trying to figure out, okay, how can we balance the principles of a free society with, you know, travel bans and, and quarantines and so forth. But that's an entirely different issue. You, and even the, the cities and states here domestically are going to have to figure out what to do. If there's an outbreak in Chicago, do people in Texas have a right to keep everybody from Illinois from coming into the state? Do, do they have a right to quarantine people in Texas that come from, from O'Hare Airport? Uh, so these, are, these are problems that arise because of the peculiar nature of this crisis. But the default position is what we have domestically, open borders, free movements of good services and people. If people commit a crime, they're prosecuted, and then you deal with the crisis at hand. There you go. That is Jacob Hornberger. He is running for president of the United States. We are going to take our last break. We'll be back in a moment on Radio Free New York. Radio Free New York. Radio Free New York. I'm your host, Andrew Hollister. It is White House Wednesday. We have Jacob Hornberger here on the show, and uh, we're talking policy. We're talking changes. Um, uh, one of the things I got to say that I really enjoy about the conversation we're having is that you're unapologetically libertarian. Um, and, and I don't know if you've heard that before or not, but but you're very convicted in your policies, and, and it definitely sounds like you believe they're not only the right thing, but that it truly will make things better. Um, so normally we roll to the lightning round, but I do have a few other questions that I want to ask you. Um, one of them being, uh, say in 2020, you get elected, you are president of the United States, bills start coming to your desk uh, to be signed. What do you anticipate vetoing? What, what would you, uh, and I don't know if you've got a line in the sand or a policy or procedure that you're going to follow, um, but what would you veto? Veto everything that violates libertarian principles. 
And the libertarian principle is, the core libertarian principle is that people should be free to live their lives any way they want so long as they're not initiation, initiating force or fraud against another person. So any law that, that infringes on people's liberty to live their lives the way they want, as long as it's peaceful, I would veto immediately. And, and then the president can do a lot more than that. I mean, he can pardon all nonviolent offenders in the federal system, which, which he should do. Uh, all nonviolent drug offenders and all nonviolent offenders, period. I mean, like Edward Snowden and Julian Assange, immediate pardons. He can rescind all the, the executive orders that have established sanctions and embargoes on foreign countries. Now, you'd have to go to Congress to get, like, the Cuba embargo lifted, which should be done. It's, it's a fiasco. But all the ones that Trump has done or Barack Obama before him or Bush that is done by executive order, he can rescind all those. He can stop all these trade wars that, that, that um, Trump has done by executive decree. So in that sense – and then he, he can also – Ask Congress to start repealing laws. He can bring the troops home. He doesn't have to ask congressional permission to bring the troops home. He's the commander-in-chief. He can start discharging. Uh, tell the Secretary of Defense, need to close this base, close this base. He's the commander-in-chief. That's what Trump should have done. That's where Trump has failed America, is that he has not done anything to end these, these forever wars, the interventions. In fact, he's done his best to provoke new wars. And he certainly has deferred to the military and the defense establishment, which is exactly what Hillary would have done. Yeah, you know, um, and in terms of uh, – I think one of the things we probably didn't talk about is spending. But but a lot of this is clearly tied to spending. We have a huge deficit, a ton of debt in our country. Um, what what in terms of a budget are are you going to look for as well in terms of what you would fund, what you won't fund? Um, how do we get this debt under control? What are your thoughts on that? Well, we go back to libertarian principles. I mean, what you said before was was absolutely right. You know, we're we're known the libertarian party is known as the party of principle, and that that's the label that we put on ourselves because we adhere to principle. And our principles are sound. I do believe in them. I mean, I, I've written a book called My Passion for Liberty that's available on Amazon. Ron Paul did the introduction to it. Because libertarian principles not only are sound morally, they are the only practical solution. And I can't emphasize that enough. If, if you want to get rid of the immigration crisis, the health care crisis, uh, out-of-control spending crisis, it's libertarianism that can only do that. And so here's where Trump again failed in his big responsibility. When the debt ceiling came up, he could have just stood fast and said there will be not be one cent more of debt. We've reached the maximum. That's the ceiling. If the government's got to close down or what they call the non-essential functions of government, so be it. And he should have stuck by his guns and just stuck with that. That would have caused a lot of federal workers to start quitting, going, finding jobs in the private sector, which would be great. Because now they're, they're, they're not only dra not draining American taxpayers by being bureaucrats, they're now in the private sector producing wealth instead of just consuming wealth through taxation. So the, but the big things, Andrew, is we've got to get people to think in terms of two questions. And this is what my goal – one of my goals would be if I were the LP presidential candidate. Get people to think, one, what does it really mean to be free? And two, what are the legitimate functions of government in a free society? Because if people start thinking at that higher level, 
then they start thinking in terms of not just smaller government or downsizing government or reducing the size of government. Then they start talking about, well, government shouldn't be doing this particular thing at all. And so you dismantle that entire thing. That's why I say that this country shouldn't be involved in foreign interventionism at all. You bring all the troops home, you discharge them. Imagine how much money that would, would save with respect to federal spending. So you, you start dismantling programs instead of reducing them. Now you're, you're getting government expenditures down into a more normal range where, where they're not you know, imposing this enormous burden on the young people of this country. I mean, it's $23 trillion of debt. President Trump, who's turned out to be as big a spender as Hillary would have been, is adding another trillion dollars. So if he's reelected, we're looking at five more years of extra trillion dollars. That's going to be $30 trillion in debt. Uh, that's, you want to talk about grave threats to the nation. We're, we're looking at an impending bankruptcy here down the road. That's not a good thing. Yeah, now bankruptcy is uh, never a good thing. So we've got about four minutes, maybe a little less for the lightning round. So I'm gonna ask you a couple questions. Give me quick, uh, you know, one sentence answers. Um, are you for or against term limits for Congress? Four. Four. Awesome. Uh, what about? Are there any moral wars? Only defensive wars, where people are invading a nation state is invading the United States. That's the only moral war there is. Should Election Day be a federal holiday? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, does pineapple belong on pizza? <laughs> um, it depends on what each person decides. There you go. Uh, Camaro or Corvette? Uh, Corvette. Should we be looking at eliminating Social Security? Immediately. Uh, do we need the Department of Education? Absolutely not. We don't need government involvement in education at all. Is it soda or is it pop? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We've got just a few minutes left. Uh, I want to give you the chance to just let people know how they can find your campaign, how they can reach out if they want to donate, volunteer, any of that stuff. The best place to do is to come to jacobforliberty.com. People can look at my blog section. I'm keeping people apprised of all the things we're doing. We've we're got an exciting campaign. We've got a great campaign team. And then the appearances section, I'm traveling every weekend to, to state Libertarian Party conventions. Then I've got my media section where I post interviews like this show. And uh, people will get a sense that this is a campaign that's got some passion to it. It's got some dynamism, some excitement. There's a lot of exciting things happening in the party. In the last uh, four or five conventions I've been to, there have been more people running for delegate than delegate slots for the national convention in, in May. And as you know, our, our presidential nominee is determined by vote at the national convention. So – you know, what, what I want to do is I, I, I'd like to win this nomination with the aim of moving this country in a free direction. That, that's why I've entered this race. I want to live in a free society, a genuinely free society. And we do that with principles, libertarian principles, ideals, sound ideas on liberty. That's what I propose bringing to this race, a campaign of principle for the party of principle, because I, I do believe, as you suggested, that not only is this morally right, it is the only practical solution to the many crises that Democrats and Republicans have forced it on our nation with their welfare, warfare, state way of life. 
Yeah, that that's awesome. I I would love to live in a in a truly free United States myself. So, Jacob, thank you so much for joining me here on the show. You guys are listening to Radio Free New York. That is Jacob Hornberger. He is running for president of the United States on the Libertarian ticket. Um, and you know, so definitely check out his campaign if you're interested. Um, and I will be back with you guys tomorrow, same time, same place, on Radio Free New York. Radio Free New York.